Today we're going to talk about men and raising boys into men, and we're going to talk about the new APA guidelines for um, men's mental health and, and what it means to be uh, masculine nowadays. Right. Yeah, these were um, promulgated, presented, published mm-hmm. uh, in late 2018, yeah. the last part of last year, uh, from the American Psychological Association, and they're called um, practice guidelines for um, for boys to men, something like that. <laughs> APA guidelines for psychological practice with boys and men. Mm-hmm. And uh, it caused a little bit of a stir because it seemed like, why do we need practice guidelines for, well, mm-hmm. as it turns out, we uh, APA published them for, girl, for women, girls and women. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some cultural, national, um, racial um, guidelines that um, APA has published. And everybody said, well, why do we need one for men? Mm-hmm. And one of, the re- one of the reasons we don't have any for men, and I had, never th- I had really never thought about this before, men were considered the norm. Right. That when studies were done, most studies were done on men. Kohlberg's theory of moral development. Mm -hmm. Um, Carol Gilligan, um, a few years ago, redid all of his research when she discovered that all of his subjects were men, they were males, Mm -hmm. okay? And so she did the same study with females to see if Mm -hmm. she would get the same results. When you think about it, a generation or two ago, certainly two generations ago, most college classrooms were men. Right. So when psychological research was done in college mm-hmm. classrooms, it was done on men. But that was considered, that, that it wasn't considered the norm, that established the norm. Well, and, and I think it's important to, to, to note here that the reason that that's important <laughs> is because um, the primary subjects in most psychological research are college students. Right, that's you know, right. College psychology students, to be more specific, mm-hmm. um, because that's you know we, we they're draw available upon convenience sample that's right and, and that convenient sample is oftentimes our students right and so when Kohlberg did hit and many other researchers nobody really gave it a th- much of a thought they just right. well these are kind of normal so when you look at the norms for physical development or mm-hmm. cognitive development, language development they're mostly based on on males right. male, male measurements okay? right and men were just typically thought of as, well, they're kind of normal and we don't have to worry too much. Suddenly, um, in this millennium, in the 2000s, because these guidelines were not a response to the Me Too movement. Right. This study was actually started in 2005. Right. It took until 2018 to finish it. They, uh, they scanned 40 years worth of research. The document itself is about 31 pages long. Right. Um, but it was started in 2005, so mm-hmm. a lot of thought went into this, right. and both men and women mm-hmm. worked on the document, so it right. wasn't, wasn't men or women. Um, but it took, a, it took a cadre of psychologists to carefully comb through the literature and see, and mm-hmm. tell us more about men, what it's like to, to and, and then what our, what our best practices should be with men. Right. Okay. Yeah, in, in the show notes we have links to, the, yeah, uh, to an APA article about these mm-hmm. guidelines, and then, as well as a link to the actual PDF of the guidelines mm-hmm. themselves, um, and then a link to a, a New York Times article about what it means to be masculine. Right. And when you go into the guidelines themselves, they're not light reading. I mean, right. the, the, they weren't meant. And one of the reasons many people haven't heard about them is it's not something that somebody right. would just post somewhere because it's meant more for an academic audience. Right. But the New York Times, somebody somebody picked it up, and the New York Times finally got it. 
and um, published an article about the guidelines. Right. They didn't publish the guidelines. They published it about yeah. the guidelines. Well, as soon as that hit, Mm -hmm. Then we started to get reactions to right. the guidelines. Why do we need these? And then there was a certain politicizing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of the guidelines. Right. And you can imagine people taking sides about um, about whether we should whether we need to change right. how we conceptualize the stereotypic male. Right. Yeah. And I think that in response to that, I, I think that we have to. I think we have to be careful mm -hmm. because um, while there is, you, you know, we won't get into the whole argument about um, some of this stuff because th there's no doubt that, you know, institutional racism and institutional sexism and all those mm -hmm. things exist. There's, there's, you know, unfortunately, those things still exist. And there are a lot of groups and those of us that are working against that right. um, and trying to change that. However, just because that exists doesn't mean that we don't need to look at males and look at you know some of these other groups that right. seem to be um, I don't even know what word to use um, in that sentence but they, they're not just because they are the seen as the majority or seen as the ones that are in in control doesn't mean that we shouldn't look at that because you know what it means as you said what it means to be male is starting to change right. and needs to change. Right. Yes. And yes. because it needs to change, we have to do research and we have to write about it. And um, and, and I think that we have to be careful that we don't fall into this pattern of, um, well, that's the you know the, they're they're in control, so we need to look at the the groups that aren't in control and and study and focus on them to help build them up. And that's right. And and one of the things that they point out in this article is that, uh, or in several of the articles is that um, men are about 81% of the executives and 92% of the professionals. And so they 81% uh, of congressmen are yeah. males. Right. Okay? That's beginning to change. In 2016, it changed. But traditionally, it is... Um, That's frustrating. Uh, We've been here for a while this morning, getting ready for to... For most of the day. For getting ready to podcast. And when we start to podcast, they start pressure washing right outside our front door. I wonder if they can hear that. I think you, uh, there's no way you can't hear it. Anyway, um, bear with us. We'll keep going. Yeah, but they are, the noise you hear in the background is they decided to pressure wash our side, our part of the building. Suddenly. Right. Just as we start talking. Okay. So um, hang in there. We'll, we will try to persevere. Um, I had to be distracted. Can't, can't remember where I was with that. but. Um, so despite the fact that men are overwhelmingly represented right. as leaders, whether it's C chief operating officers or congressmen or professionals, um, despite that, in fact, most of the suicides are right. males, most of the homicides are males, most of the victims of homicides are males. And so um, cardiovascular disease, mm -hmm. women live almost on average about five years longer than men. Mm -hmm. So despite our privilege, despite right. the privilege of patriarchy, they call it, there are some negative aspects right. of that. So what might be our advantage may also serve as a disadvantage. Right. So one of the questions is why this discrepancy, why the disparity between if we have such power and privilege, is there a downside to that? Right. And so APA wanted to delve into this mm -hmm. and say, but, so that's one issue. The other issue is the typical 
socialized male mm -hmm. isn't allowed to show emotions. Right. Isn't allowed to, you know, if, if you cry, you're a baby. Right. If, you know, you're supposed to enter competitive sports right. and be a, um, a shark, a, a barracuda, um, you're supposed to be highly competitive. Right. Um, and um, you're supposed to, and males are aggressive. Right. You know, we, we know that too. Supposed okay. to be. So the, the typical socialized male is aggressive, competitive, um, and assertive, and, and confident, unemotive. Right, right. That's that's the ideal right. that that some people uh, say is is the ideal male is all has all of these qualities. So that's the other thing they wanted to see is what is it about, you know, if if men have emotions, they're they're expected to hide them, mm -hmm. uh, not not right. reveal their emotions. So is that the cause of some of this underlying frustration? So how do you reconcile these two things about right. what the ideal male is? and um, the negative aspects of being male. Right, yeah, absolutely. And, and we're gonna work to touch on all of that um, today um, in this podcast as yes. best we can without okay. going, talking without, for three hours. Without being pressure washed <laughs> away. Pressure -washed. I think they've moved down to the next set of offices. Which is nice. Right. So the, the, um, so the, con the, uh, the, the typical socialized male brings with it increased risk of physical health and mental health problems. Right, okay. yeah, absolutely. So, and we, and we kind of touched on this a, a number of months ago when we talked about, we, we did a week on men's mental health and we talked right. about the, um, the challenge for boys. Um, and I, maybe, um, I'm not sure where exactly you wanted to start with this, but I think that a, a place that I would like to start is to talk about raising boys and, and what it means to, to be masculine. Right. Now, because um, you, as we were getting ready and, and preparing to, to record, uh, you mentioned the NFL. We, there are many in our society who present the idea that the ideal masculinity, the ideal mm -hmm. way a man should be is what we see in these really highly competitive, um, physical, Br brutal, brutal. Um, sports, right. um, whether it's uh, you know American football mm -hmm. or it's um, you know MMA fighting, mm -hmm. you know, we see that as okay. They are the the, the most manly mm -hmm. men mm -hmm. um, out there, and, and we see that and we label them that because they are physical, because they right. are large. Um, they're strong and they're assertive mm -hmm. and they, um, you know, and, and they can be aggressive and violent. Right. The concept of the real man. He's a real man. Right. Um, he's a man's man. Right. You know, he hunts and he, you know, does all, plays, plays sports and he's very aggressive and, right. and assertive and that's somehow become an ideal that we want to work towards. One of the, one of the negative, um, not actually a negative response, but a more thoughtful, critical response of the of the APA guidelines, he began with um, talking about NFL football players mm -hmm. and how they talk about each other. Right. You know, um, and if that's your ideal, if that's what you consider mm -hmm. the ideal, then you might take issue with these guidelines because some of these guidelines move in a very different direction. Right. Okay, they're they're not idealizing that. Uh, you gotta play hurt. You gotta look at the whole concussion thing. Right. I mean, it took how many years? Oh, absolutely. Before people said, "No, it's okay. You're not a wimp. 
Right. This is we're talking about serious brain damage here. Yeah. You're not a baby if you don't go back in and play after you've had a concussion. Okay. So it, it takes time. Right. Yeah. The, the um, and and the interest or the the pressure or the encouragement for boys not to show any emotion. Right. Not to demonstrate their feelings and not to and, and because of that, of course, they grow up in a in a in a family or in a home or just in, in a in a life that doesn't identify what right. it means to feel anything. Right. So they can't uh, talk about their feelings with uh, someone else. They can't mm-hmm. say, you know, when you do that, it makes me feel like this. Right. Uh, and because they lose those um, those that kind of connection between mm-hmm. how they feel and mm-hmm. what their behavior is, they they don't have the opportunity to develop. The insight and the awareness and right. the acknowledgement of some of these different feelings that we have, but we're—it's it, really remarkable how poor of a job we're doing at That's that. That's right. Um, Im- our emotions are a kaleidoscope of of colors, mm-hmm. and we have many emotions. We all, all, both men and women, feel different emotions. Mm-hmm. But if all, if you're not allowed to express all of them, right. and there are, I I can imagine there are boys who. Well, they're not allowed to cry, they're not allowed to complain, mm-hmm. they're not allowed to... About the only thing they are allowed to express is anger. Right. Okay? And and that's what you learn how to express. So mm-hmm. everything gets channeled. People come into our offices and they use the word, starts with P, angry. Okay? Mm-hmm. But if you delve a little deeper, it's really not anger. Right. It's they were hurt. Right. Okay? But they label everything right. because that's the only emotion they were allowed to express. Exactly. And, and you know, I think that... It, and the reason we're talking about and starting with boys is because these boys, of course, become men. Sure. And as they become men and they enter into relationships mm-hmm. and they enter into um, engagements and right. marriages, they are unable to communicate with their loved one, right. um, their, their partner, their spouse, in a way that's effective in expressing the way that they feel about different things. And they hold on to to mm-hmm. anger and resentment and, and frustration, and they don't ever process right. what's happening in their life in a healthy way so that they can make positive changes and positive gains. Yeah, it's not even an accurate interpretation right. of what's going on. And they don't, they don't deal, they don't acknowledge all these other emotions, they don't even realize they have them. Right. And so everything gets channeled, channeled as anger, either verbal anger, emotional anger, physical anger. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have to do a better job starting out with boys. Right. And, and it begins with a, a, a change in the way that we think about masculinity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we, again, as we said a moment ago, we look at masculinity right now as that ultra male of, of right. that overtly assertive, um, physical, um, mm-hmm. aggressive, um, both physically aggressive sometimes, but also just um, socially aggressive, right. you know. Um, a man takes what he wants, mm-hmm. you know, we, we mm-hmm. hear those kinds of statements. And, and I think we have to really start to shift the way that we're teaching our boys right. what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, when um, studies that have been done on how we talk to boys and girls, mm-hmm. and we talk to girls differently, than, and even mothers do, they mm-hmm. talk to their boys differently and less mm-hmm. than they talk to their girls. Yeah. Okay? So, th- so we get in the whole area of language development. Um, boys hear a different vocabulary, mm-hmm. and they hear fewer words, and um, they're not as emotionally 
uh, salient as right. what we talk to with girls. Right. You know, we're always telling our girls how cute they are, and um, we talk about we, we talk about emotions with boys. Let's go in the backyard and and play and roughhouse. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, it does start with boys, and we're not talk when we talk about aggression. I think you and I agree mm-hmm. when we talk about aggression and assertiveness, masculinity. We're not talking about the Harvey Weinstein right. um, date culture. Right. That we're not talking about that kind of aggression. Right, because that's the most that's a that's very an, extreme. That's an ex- right, yeah. and we're not talking about that. We're talking about the type of masculinity where boys are blunted emotionally. Right. They're not allowed to give vent to those emotions, and there's some thinking now that those pent up emotions may be related to some of this aggression and um, mental and physical health problems. Yeah. Um, and the way that, that all of that relates to physical and mental health mm-hmm. problems is that when we experience emotions, our, our body is sort of designed in such a way right. to experience the full range of those emotions. Mm-hmm. But when we're blunted, when right. we are um, restricted in the way in which we can express emotions, our body holds on to some of that mm-hmm. and it translates it into stress. Right. And because it holds it on, holds on to it in stress, we develop this chronic stress model in our body where our, our body isn't able to adapt and adjust and, and deal with you know a, a stressful situation in the quick way in which it wants to and instead it's chronically exposed to those corticosteroids and and hormones that just linger in our body for long periods of time and only exacerbates the problems right. later in life. You wonder, it, it does make one wonder if it is the cortisol, this mm-hmm. free-floating cortisol yeah. that, if you're constantly suppressing and you're constantly under stress, mm-hmm. if that stress is compromising the immune system right. and it's it's our immune system response that's leading to these mm-hmm. earlier forms of mental and physical right. illness. Right, you know? yeah, and because we know very clearly that there's a direct, almost a, a, a right. straight line, direct connection between many mental and physical health issues right. with um, with stress. With the immune you system. Know, and right. It, right, stress in the immune system because we know that um, cardiovascular disease, which is higher in men, right. um, is related to stress. We know that um, diabetes and um, you know uh, heart, um, uh, all heart disease and things like strokes, that. strokes, heart disease, all right. of that, epilepsy, um, all the neurological diseases. Right. Uh, men are, are more um, highly represented in mm-hmm. all of those disorders. Right. And we, we talk about how women tend to have higher rates of depression, but I think that that's an overestimation. I think it's because most men don't seek help. That's right. So we don't have a clear number of men who experience depression. And as you said earlier, what tends to happen is they experience depression, but they're expressing it as anger, and they end up with a, some other diagnosis. That's right. And as one, uh, one of the researchers who worked on the guidelines pointed out, First of all, most men don't seek professional help. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's again, it's a sign of weakness. Right. Okay, um, but those who do, very often, because they have these outward signs, because mm-hmm. w- we say in our classes, and I know you've used it, used this too, when um, women are depressed, they go to uh, professionals. Mm-hmm. When men are depressed, they go to bars. Right. Okay, so they begin to drink. Right. Well, then the diagnosis becomes substance abuse. Right. So even the professional is sort of getting it wrong mm-hmm. because they are um, they're diagnosing the outward expression, mm-hmm. 
and the outward expression may be violence. Right. It may be domestic violence. It may be substance abuse. Um, but that's not that's the underlying problem is depression or right. anxiety. But because men tend to externalize, uh, professionals don't get the diagnosis correct right. because they're focusing on the outward manifestation of the disorder. Right. Absolutely. So, so with all of that said, it's it's clear that we do need some guidelines and some right. um, some map to help mm-hmm. us learn how to best work with boys. Um, and, and work with men, um, boys who are then going to become men, right. and, and work with men to improve the way in which they are dealing with some of these emotions and experiences in life so that they can improve their mental health and their physical health and their relationships and their sexual engagements and you know b- become more well-rounded. Right, and that's what it is, to become more fully human right. um, in, the, in the best sense of the word because if if men are only if they're socialized to become a certain type of man and in becoming that type they're not allowed to have these other emotions that is bound to lead to some you can't suppress this stuff mm-hmm. okay and over time um, it's going to re, it's going to manifest it's going to reveal itself mm-hmm. and, and you pack it all in and that creates stress I mean Absolutely. that's what stress is yeah okay? um, and remember, these are guidelines, and, and the authors of this study and several authors who have written about it, including the Pappas article, they note that these are guidelines. They're not standards. Right. Standards are, are different. Right. Standards have an enforcement component. Mm-hmm. Um, we have standards in our profession. Of, right. um, you're not allowed to, um, uh, the surgeons can't operate on family members, for right. example. That's, a, that's, a, a, that's an ethical standard. These are guidelines. Guidelines are meant to inform. Right. and to educate. They're not standards of practice. Right. Okay, so we have clinical standards. These are professional standards, these are professional guidelines. And that's, right. There's a very important distinction here. So what these are are just, let's, let's have a discussion, mm-hmm. let's, let's broaden what it means to be a man, what right. it means to be a boy, and what it means to be a man. Right, okay, absolutely. So that's what the guidelines are meant for. Right. So, so one of the guidelines, the first guideline, is that psychologists strive to recognize that masculinities are constructed based on social, cultural, and contextual mm-hmm. norms. Right. And, and that is, I, I love it that that's guideline one, because we have to begin with that. If you live in any city in the country, you will, there is a stereotype mm-hmm. that says, well, he's from north this, or he's from south right. this. In Austin, Texas, it was east and west. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're from West Austin, it was one stereotype. If you're from East Austin, it was another. In our town, it's north versus south. Okay, right. um, and so we we become socialized mm-hmm. based on that cultural context. Right. In parts of uh, in parts of our county, if you don't hunt, you're an anomaly. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's it's odd or bizarre that. You wouldn't because you just assume that if you lived in this in this part of the county, you're a hunter. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you live in other parts of the county, it just assumed you're not. Right. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. That right. Be, okay. Absolutely. So you become a man. So so your culture influences what you can do. Right. Remember that swamp people that show yeah. swamp people. Yeah. I mean, those guys grew up in that culture, and you were expected to kill yeah. alligators. Yeah. And with your bare hands or something. Yeah, not me. No. I wasn't raised there. No. Um, now, guideline two says that psychologists strive to recognize that boys and men integrate multiple aspects 
to their social identities across a lifespan. Right. So uh, this isn't something that just happens when you you know reach right. maturity or mm -hmm. anything like that. It begins in childhood. Right. And and though it's rooted there, mm -hmm. and it just continues to mature and develop over time, to the point where you know even as um, middle and older aged uh, men, mm -hmm. you know they continue to demonstrate some of those same characteristics and traits right. that you could see and that were sort of um, begun in early childhood across the lifespan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. So it's so it's throughout. It doesn't just right. take place. And and I like the idea that. Development continues. It doesn't end when you're five or right. seven or nine. Um, as um, that woman said, we did the d deciding decade, the, the right. defining decade. She said the most important part of your personality develops during adolescence okay? yeah. and in your 20s. Right. Okay? And so the same thing here. This is a lifespan development. Right, right. Now, guideline three mm. says psychologists understand the impact of power, privilege, and sexism on the development of boys and men and on their relationships with others. Right. Mm -hmm. So here what we're doing really is that we are acknowledging that um, to be male um, brings with it a, a um, I don't know if we wanna say institutional um, uh, mm -hmm. privilege. Um, I think you would say institutional. That, you know, I'm not certainly not saying that it's deserved um, well, we have institutional racism. We have institutional sexism. Right. I mean, it's just assumed that the head of companies right. will be men. I mean, right. Ninety-one percent are. And 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 that's unfortunately continues to be true. But what I fear that this does, and this is what why the guideline is here, is that that that, that creates an expectation. Mm -hmm. um, now, expectations have are, are, are double-edged. So on one hand, you have that's the expectation, and so the person may may strive right. and, and work to become that. But the other side is that then that becomes the expectation, right. and it's just I don't have to work for it. It's just going to happen. Right. The, the assumption it, is right, right. and mm -hmm. in, in the unfortunate consequence of that right. is like what we talked about with boys in education. Mm -hmm. You know, boys are failing. Right, they're in not doing well in education. They're falling behind girls. Girls right. are really. And it's great that girls are advancing and working hard and girls Correct. are taking over. There's more girls in college, in graduate school, than there are boys. In our field, 72% of PhDs are awarded to women. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a huge shift from just a few decades ago. Right. And, and, and it's great that more women are involved in this, but I think that, at least in part, the reason that this is happening is because the expectation for that many boys have is that it's just going to happen for right. them. Mm -hmm. And it's starting not to happen for them. Right. And that's going to lead to, again, mental health concerns and physical health concerns. Yeah, it, uh, it's true. There was a time when men didn't compete with women for right. places in graduate school. Right. They, it was only men. And yeah. I think of uh, two generations ago, southern schools were mostly staffed by white football players. Right. Because you didn't have to compete. National baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. You only competed with white players until Jackie Robinson. Yeah. And that was in the 50s. Right. So we didn't compete against girls, as we called them. Um, and so it opened the, f it, it was a much broader field for men. And so you could just sort of move into any of these right. positions. Well, now you're competing right. with the other half of the population. Right. Right. Yeah. And again, it's, it, it's, it's great that it's moving in that direction. Um, but the, the, yeah, we've nurtured girls right. to get there. We haven't nurtured boys to get there right. in the new in this new 
right. world. If for no other reason, I think that these guidelines are important because it's a new world that boys are entering. Right. I say boys, boys to young men are entering um, because uh, two, a generation or two ago, you didn't have to compete with women. Yeah. Today you do. Right. So. Now, guideline four gets into gets more into relationships, and it says psychologists mm-hmm. strive to develop a comprehensive understanding of the factors that influence the interpersonal relationship of boys and men. Mm-hmm. Once again, this is where a lot of that emotional stuff comes in. You know, to be able to communicate with one another openly and honestly, and you know, express those full emotions, so that when you have a relationship, you can say, "Man, it really hurts my feelings when you say that." You know, you and I are raising young men. Yes. And despite all the messages they get from us and they see Mm -hmm. at home Mm -hmm. in what we model, they will come home Mm -hmm. and they will mouth, they will repeat what they're hearing. And what they're hearing is, oh, girls are just fill in the blank. Right. Okay. Because there are still many young men out there who are espousing, who are um, mouthing, verbalizing what was true two generations ago right. where, where men were in total control right. and we had this view of women as objects mm-hmm. okay that has changed and yet many young men haven't changed right. with it because right. they're still getting that old message okay and so I think guideline four is really important yeah and guideline five focuses on fathers um, right. uh, psychologists strive to encourage positive father involvement and healthy family relationships right. and this is a again another really important shift that's happened over the last couple of generations right. where it's gone from you know it's the mother's role to raise their kids right. to the father has to have an important part father of that needs to be there they have mm-hmm. to not well and not just be there but they have to be actively engaged right. they have to be mm-hmm. a participant in the raising of their children because they you know when kids are growing up they need that Uh, paternal um, influence. What we typically see, especially with families going through a divorce, uh, generally speaking, fathers aren't as involved with very young children. Right. Children who are three, four, five, and six. It sort of falls to mothers for some reason. Mm -hmm. Not in all cases, of course. But um, dads need to stay involved at every level because if there is a divorce, you you want to spend time with your children, but you don't know these young children. Right. You, you don't know what size clothes they wear. Mm-hmm. You don't know um, where to buy stuff that they need. Mm-hmm. You, you really don't know much about them because their care has been uh, taken over by their mothers. Well, and, and not just that, but also the whole issue of attachment. Right. You know, kids mm-hmm. become, you know, when we think of attachment traditionally, mm-hmm. what have we thought about? The attachment between the mother. child and the mother. Right. What, the father has to have an attachment um, with the child That's as well, right. or the child has mm-hmm. to have an attachment to the father as well. And I, and I love that, like when my children were born, I had the opportunity to um, be in the in the birthing room. We were um, in, the, in the room. While right. we were in, 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 in to be there and to, to see and touch and hold the baby right. immediately, um, which is fantastic because that allows that bond to happen between right. us and our, our, our baby. But we also have to be involved over those few, those, uh, those first important yeah. years because that's what allows the child to attach to us. Yeah, typically dads sort of become invisible through those yeah. years and then they pick it up again when they get to high school, you know, yeah. where they get into high school athletics and college mm-hmm. and all that stuff 
dads sort of re-engage. But you gotta stay engaged across the lifespan, right. across the life of your children. Right. Mm -hmm. um, number six says, guideline six says, psychologists strive to support educational efforts yeah. that are responsive to the needs of boys and men. Yeah. Again, so we're taking it from, okay, we have to be involved emotionally with our kids right. as we're raising them, but we also have to be involved with them educationally. Right. Um, again, um, having worked in the schools, who who is typically at the meetings? It's typically the, mother, the mom. Right. Um, fathers don't take as active of a role. Fathers, when do fathers become involved? Science fair projects and math <laughs> homework, right? That tends to be the case. Right. Mm -hmm. And fathers need to be involved much more um, readily. They need right. to, kids need to see their fathers read just as mm -hmm. much as they need to see their mothers read. Lap reading is for dads and moms. Dads right. and moms, yeah. Guideline seven says psychologists strive to reduce the high rates of problems right. boys and men face and act out in their lives such as aggression, violence, substance abuse, and suicide. Right. Yeah, you just have to you have to dampen that stuff down. I mean, it's a, it is sort of a natural tendency. Uh, we know about testosterone. We know about androgens. So we know we have this genetic predisposition to aggression mm -hmm. and risk taking, but it's the dad's role to modify that. Right. You know, I'm that way too, but you have to model self control. Right. You have to model inhibition, yeah. and you just can't give vent to these things right. as much as you would like to. You just can't give vent to these things. Yeah, it, it's so sad when you see boys growing up in homes where you know mom sees a mental health uh, counselor right. for some of the struggles she's experiencing. Um, the the kid is struggling with different things, mm -hmm. and dad stays home and drinks, and you know right. he and he um, you know deals with his stuff um, by removing himself from from right. the family. Who you know, well, dads are bringing kids to us more and more frequently right. now. It's getting better, yeah. But when you think about it, you know who's doing the who's doing the chauffeuring, who's mm -hmm. doing the driving, who's doing the accompanying, and dads need to be involved. They need to be as involved as moms in um, both health and mental health issues. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and which takes us to guideline eight right. that says psychologists strive to help boys and men engage in health-related behaviors. Yeah. Um, so once again, it's really important that boys see their dads taking care of themselves. Um, eating healthy, um, engaging in healthy lifestyle, exercising, and in you know back to reading and you know just living healthy lifestyles, um, sleeping well, and um, taking care of themselves. Your your sons are going to do what they see you doing. Right. If they see you using tobacco products, mm -hmm. if they see you using alcohol, if they see you drinking and driving, mm -hmm. if they know you do that, if they know you drink and drive. They're going to model what they see, right. and they're going to model what they know about you. Doesn't matter what you say. Right. It doesn't matter what you want. They're going to model. They're going to do what they see you doing and what they know you do. I was talking to a young man the other day, and I'm well. I'm interested in your perspective on this too. When you talk to most teenage boys, most of their fathers are in their forties. And a generation ago, when you talk to a teenage boy, almost none of their fathers had smoked weed. Right. And so dads were able to say, I never smoked it. Mm -hmm. Now, dads who are in their 40s, many of them mm -hmm. smoked weed. Right. Currently, I mean, in, in a few years, almost all teenage boys are gonna have fathers who smoked weed. Mm -hmm. How do you occupy the moral high ground how do you say you shouldn't when either you are using, because many men in their 40s continue to smoke, mm -hmm. 
how do you tell your kids not to? Right. You know, so your kids are going to do what you do. They're going to mm-hmm. they're going to do what they see. Yeah. They're going to become their fathers. Right. Yeah. It, that's really challenging. I don't. Um, I think that we have to. Um, I think we have to have discussions mm-hmm. uh, about it and, and talk about it in an open way and say, um, you know, you certainly are not going to deny um, and lie. Right. Because I think that if you, as soon as you as start lying, bad. then they're going to lie. The expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, um, how do you say to your kids, well, this is illegal, so you can't. Right. You did it. <laughs> or you're doing it. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, so what lesson are you teaching them? Right. And what is it going to mean? Yeah. You know, if we don't legalize it, in a few before this happens, how do you how do you instruct your children right. if you've been a user? You know, so it's going to create a it's interesting interesting dilemma for the, interesting for, dilemma. for us. I'll have to think about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, guideline nine says psychologists strive to build and promote gender sensitive psychological services. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the the idea here isn't that you're teaching boys to be gender um, sensitive. Right. What you're doing is you're talking about the fact that we need to, as psychologists, we have to provide services that are gender sensitive. Right. You know, we're not, um, you know, a lot of times you go into um, therapist's offices and they are very genderized. Is that fair? Is that a, is that a real word? Yeah. And, and what happens, because I, I, I have certainly seen this, um, w- when we first started practicing, um, we borrowed people's offices. <laughs> oh, yes. And um, we had this one office that we shared um, that was... It was a woman's office. And it looked like a woman's office. An older woman's office. Um, they don't, people I, don't even know what a doily is. I've never seen so many doilies in my life. Probably most of our listeners don't know what a doily is. They're all over. Um, they're just like I don't artificial flowers and doilies and mm-hmm. and things. and so you would have we would have boys that would come in and you could see that they were uncomfortable mm-hmm. and they were like you know where it, am I yeah you know, it's like down the rabbit hole right mm-hmm. right and so we have to be sensitive to some of that because if we want boys to come in and for us yeah. to work with them or if we want men to come in for us to work with them they have to be able to um, yeah. be, feel comfortable you have a man office you <laughs> well, have a man cave I have. Soccer stuff. Soccer balls, footballs, but Star Wars. Star Wars. Doctor yeah. Who. Yeah. So yours is sort of gender neutral. I try to be, but you know, I got um, y- you know, the uh, we, we have games and stuff like that that yeah. are right. gender non-specific. Yeah, you're sensitive to that stuff. I'll try to be, but gender sensitive. Yeah, and right. and so, but it, but we do have to think about that because, you know, if we want, again, if we want men to come in. For treatment, if we want boys to come in, in for, for treatment, they have to be comfortable where they're coming to I talk. I wonder if boys come in there and they look at us and they say, "This guy's a wimp." I'm not going to listen to him. He's a wimp, right? Well, they might think that. I mean, they, yeah. With somebody. With me. Yeah, maybe. Oh. No, who wears the your bow tie? Is pretty good. You've got a. Where's uh, the bow tie in this family? You've got. That's true. I do wear the bow tie in this sure, family. See that? Easy, um, but you. You've got a piranha in your office. I do, and that's that's set the tone. It's a little intimidating, right? Um, guideline ten says psychologists understand and strive to change institutional, cultural, and systematic problems that affect boys and men through advocacy, prevention, and education. Mm-hmm. So that one's heavy, but just 
we need to be involved in, in trying to help elicit change in the way that we are, um, the way that society works and our culture works. You know, and after, after I read all this stuff, and we have a dear friend in uh, Scotland who, yes. who, who specializes in this, Fraser. Um, after I read all this, I thought, boy, we, we really need to be, uh, we have a project, uh, our practice has a project in one of the local schools yeah. uh, systems here. And I really want to talk to them about this because the boys in that school could really use this right. kind of, the, the yeah. guidelines, Absolutely. these kinds of things, these those boys could use. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to talk to the principal about, mm -hmm. I sent her some of this uh, information. But I, I'd like to start a group here, you know, yeah. working with dads to deal, to deal with kids who are in elementary school and middle school mm -hmm. and high school. How do you deal with your yeah. infants? How do you deal with your toddlers? Right. How do you deal with your elementary school students? Don't uh, wonderful when you said you're there for math and science fair. Yeah, that's it. That's that's your role until right. they get to high school. Uh, there should be many more things that we're doing with our boys. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. So, the check out the guidelines. Check out the articles that we've linked mm -hmm. in the show notes. They're they're really really good, and I think that I really like that we are um, as a as a professional group. Mm -hmm. We are taking on some of these stereotypes of masculinity. Um, I think that, I, you know, we've been friends a long time. Um, we show, we work to show our emotions mm -hmm. and we, right. and I know that, uh, you know, we see a lot of people who don't. Yeah. And, and because they don't, we see those um, tendencies to, to um, hold on to that stress and that, that mm -hmm. frustration and, and all of those emotions that we need to be expressing, they tend to hold on to those and it leads to other issues and, and problems. And that whole problem of all, all of the emotions somehow gets tra get translated into anger. Right. You know, yeah. and, and that's, that's not really the emotion that you're feeling. It's not. Well, they do, not that, they do that and we sort of encourage that and then we get really upset with our boys for being aggressive right. and being angry. Right. Well, why is he angry all the time? Well, you're telling him to be angry all the time. Because that's the only emotion you allow him to express. You're if not allowed to be anxious, a baby. If right. he's anxious, yeah. You, you say, oh, you know, hey, take it out on the field, you know, take it out on, mm -hmm. the, on the field. Mm -hmm. If you're depressed, uh, you know, hey, you know, go punch a punching bag and right. get some of that depression out. It's, it doesn't have to always be anger. Right. Right. So we need to allow that full spectrum of emotions, that full mm -hmm. spectrum. And, and, you know, it's okay to, to love things and to care about things and to... I have a question about the sports culture mm -hmm. that we have in our country because yeah. it's become very uh, aggressive. Mm -hmm. Okay. Soccer, I don't know a lot about soccer, mm -hmm. but it seems to be a sport that's done very aggressively, but in a non-physical way. Uh-huh. It can be, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, even at the professional level, right. they're very careful to protect the players. Right. And the players don't go after each other. Not, not like other sports. Well, like right. you see in football or, right. or rugby or things like that. Right. Is that, yeah. is that the That's case? That's true, yeah. So that ethic that, mm -hmm. that we see in soccer mm -hmm. would be a good thing to translate to other sports. Right. You don't have to hurt the other person. Right. Uh, soccer is a skill sport. Right. 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 Okay. It's, it's much more skill and um, executive functioning skills. You know, they did a study that found that the, the stronger the stronger the soccer player, so the, mm -hmm. the higher the level of soccer uh, the a person plays, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the stronger their executive functioning skills. Right. It makes so, sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. That'd be a good model to, you know, think of soccer where you're good and you're effective, 
but you're not hurting anybody. Right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that is it then for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid. Mm-hmm.